Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. Hey, Look, I'm here I, too. Uh, I'm here as I'm, well. I'm also We're here. helping, George. And we don't put on voices when we read ads. Look, we know you want to get to the podcast, <laughs> so we're going to keep this short. When it comes to opera, we're the only ones bringing you everything you need to know about the art form, the people, and the stories every damn week. Now, what more do you people want from us? If Rihanna Giddens' aria code was every week, we'd be screwed. They hired a woman, ladies. <laughs> Come on. So, they, you got to start getting into so this. It's so good. Aria code. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's Check like, it out. Five bucks buys an ad on social media. Ten bucks covers our website for a month. And twenty bucks makes a hundred lapel pins. Twenty bucks. That's less than what Oliver spends each week on pomegranate molasses and fancy tahini. That's true. That's not a joke. The the original ad had something about hair products. And I'm almost bald. So I don't understand what you're trying to go. (laughs) I mean, if we're going to talk about hair products in this room, I'm probably the one that consumes the most of everyone. So, yeah. So, ten bucks buys my hair products for a week, guys. You can do it. Don't think you can give? Oh, yes, you can. Simply review. View us on Apple Podcasts, share our Facebook posts, or retweet us. Most so of all, the retweeting is actually very environmentally sound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Reduce your carbon footprint. Retweet. Exactly. Just use Especially if you use real birds. Over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And most of all, keep listening to America's talk radio show about opera. Enjoy the podcast. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Wherever you are, however you're listening, welcome to America's Talk radio show about opera, period. Live in the Lakeside Studio on WNUR 89.3 FM and HD1, Evanston, Chicago. I'm your host, George Cedarquist, joined this evening by Oliver Camacho, Weston Williams, and a very special guest co-host. All right, tonight, it is our Beginning of our favorite season. No, that's not the NFL playoffs. It's awards season. The OBS team handicaps the Grammys, which will be handed out later this month. We'll tell you how to put your thumb on the scale for the International Opera Awards. And nominations for the best of 2019 for those are just about to close. But first, we welcome last year's Grammy Award winner for Best Classical Vocal Solo Album, Lebanese-American tenor Kareem Suleiman. Kareem will retell his Cinderella story, and now that he's been ducted into the League of Voters, will decidedly not make any predictions about the 2020 ceremony. Plus, two-minute drill, that's at 9.40 or so. Prototype Festival gets underway in New York City. Vandalism strikes box hometown. And, of course, you can always call us on air. Get your voice heard, 847-866-WNUR is our number here in the Lakeside Studio. Give us your hot take on the latest opera news stories, 847-866-9687. You can also tweet us at Opera Box or even post on our Facebook page. Oliver Camacho, did you recover from being electrocuted last week? I'm totally fine. It was a great way to start the new year. (laughs) And uh, those of you who are listening and who know George very well know that he did not write the intro there. It's interesting to hear you read my copy. Thank you very yeah, much for doing it. I appreciate, so, so I appreciate well. you doing the copy. Weston, I uh, need to eat some crow. I'm yep. only two minutes into the show. My yes, Michigan Wolverines do. did lose to the Alabama Crimson they Tide. They sure do. The tide just keeps on rolling, George. You should know this oh by gosh. now. We were ahead at <laughs> halftime, by the way. Let the record show. Dude, you could have won money. You could have bet me. I offered you a bet. I, I, I believe I said I would bet you whatever was in my pocket at that moment, which was not a lot, granted. But you still do owe me whatever's in your pocket right now. I think that's only fair. <laughs> Let's talk some opera. Huddle up. Let's go inside the huddle. 
Thanks for hanging out with us tonight on Opera Box Score. On February 10th of 2019, our guest had the audacity to beat veteran baritone Randall Scarlatta, Le Franchi, Sabine Duvier, and Philippe Jarouski, and even friend of the show, Anthony Roth Costanzo, for the Grammy Award for Best Classical Vocal Solo Album. Now, look, we're always happy when an American beats anyone French, but <laughs> few could have predicted that the dark horse tenor Kareem Suleiman would come out on top. Well, not at least until we actually listened to Songs of Orpheus, Suleiman's exquisite collaboration with Apollo's Fire, the Cleveland-based period orchestra. The Chicago native is back at home preparing a program which focuses on one of the most intimate and sensual poems of the Song of Songs. Kareem, welcome to Opera Box Score. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Kareem, I'm Hi. so glad you're on the show. I made this happen, and I'm I'm so excited that we got finally to get you on. You're a Chicago native. I am. And um, we generally don't like to talk too much about people's like biographies. They can usually find that information on your website, which is, I assume, KareemSuleiman.com. That's the one. Okay. But I do want to say really quickly, since we often talk about issues of uh, inclusion and social justice, that... You sang with the Chicago Children's Choir. I sure did. I grew up in the Chicago Children's Choir. I and feel like it's where I got it's like Children's where Choir. I got my education more than going to school. <laughs> so Chicago notoriously is a pretty segregated city and the fine arts uh, organizations, like the big ones, uh, have taken a long time to start to think about these issues. But I feel like Chicago Children's Choir has always been thinking about this issue and that their model for really trying to reach every single neighborhood of the city and find the best and bring them to the, you know, to the forefront and give those kids an opportunity to sing literally all over the world is talking the talk and walking the walk. Absolutely. Can you say a little bit about your experience with Chicago Children's Choir before we move on to uh, yeah, I would love the to. adult I mean, version I, of Cream Salama? <laughs> I love talking about Chicago Children's Choir. Um, I mean, it. you know, when I was in it, I'm not going to say how long ago it was. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> your voice hadn't broken. <laughs> well, that is true. It actually didn't change until I was about 16, maybe almost 17. So... Um, but when I was in it, it was just local, localized to Hyde Park. Um, that's where all the kids from all the neighborhoods came to sing. And, um, and it's become such a huge, amazing thing. And it's always been this sort of champion for making kids come together and learning about the power of music and the power of what it means to sing together and how that, like, reaches into their real lives you know and occasionally and getting experience singing on lyric opera stage yeah, or with chicago symphony orchestra yeah, exactly. or some Amazing. major exactly. venue like that I, my son is 10 years old i and he sings i really want him to be in the choir my wife says it's way too much work like how often did you rehearse do you remember it was twice a week it was tuesdays after school and saturday mornings and i think the saturday rehearsals were i mean i'm sure it's different now like i said it was <clears throat> a while ago <laughs> and uh but uh, the Saturday rehearsals, I think, were a little bit longer than the Tuesday rehearsals. Mm. And uh, but and then, you know, when when there was like a special project, like, say, at Lyric or at CSO, you know, you had some extra rehearsals. I mean, but that's life, right? That's, that's like the beauty <laughs> of it. That's why you do it. That's the glory. Of right. It. So, I mean, I, if your son wants to, I say. Were you ever one of the dry knobbin and magic flute? I wasn't, but I was handpicked by Sir George Solti. Mm. That Ooh. will let you, <laughs> uh, that will give you like a sense of 
how long ago it was, <laughs> but I was handpicked by George Schulte <laughs> to sing the solo at the end of Damnation of Faust. Oh, nice. Um, oh. With Anne-Sophie Von Otter and oh. uh, José oh, Van Damme, and it was incredible. Wow. Yeah. Oh. So before we turn to the topic of Grammys, um, let's stay a little bit on social justice. A couple of years ago, uh, you produced this YouTube video. And, uh, who's singing on that? Is that you? That is me. As, are you like singing all four parts? Okay. Oh, wow. So what is that song that you're singing? It's In This Heart by Sinead O'Connor. Oh, my God. I love Sinead O'Connor. I had no yeah. idea it was her. Okay. So you're singing a song. Yes. Uh, all the parts. And all are you parts. accompanying yourself on like ukulele or no, something? No, no, no. It's actually, it's just acapella. voice. Okay. Acapella. Yeah. Yeah. And you are uh, standing in some park. What park is that? It's uh, at Central Park. It's across from Trump Tower. Okay. Oh. Um, and then you like have this beautiful poster, and you are blindfolded. Mm -hmm. And could you just tell us a little bit what's on that poster? Uh sure. It's uh, it's basically you know, it, what do you want me to actually say? What's literally on the poster? Well, you can summarize. Uh, it's an hour-long podcast. You know, hey, my name is Kareem, and yeah. I'm an Arab, and uh, I've it, you know we did I did the the. I did this project in 2016 when yeah. the election happened. Yeah. And at that point, you know, the rhetoric was really bad as it still remains to be bad, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, it was my response to kind of like trying to talk to people who may have voted a certain way that I didn't agree with. But I felt like I think that part of what happened is that people stopped learning. People have stopped talking to each other properly. Mm -hmm. I think people yell mm -hmm. at each other, especially about politics, especially when they disagree. And when people are yelling, you tend to tune it out, right? Uh, so the experiment was just an attempt for me to try to bridge that gap, I guess. And on the sign, I say I'm an Arab American. And like a lot of people who, and I sort of list a bunch of you know, minorities and marginalized people, marginalized yeah, right. people, women, et cetera, et cetera, that feel scared as well. And it was an opportunity as I was blindfolded for people to approach me with my vulnerability and my defenses down and to, to talk to me and to, you know, either comfort me or have a conversation with me where I couldn't see what they looked like, but they could see me. And that, and that was me offering um, an ear and a hand and a hug and all of those things to people. Well, I want so people to see this video. So how they'll they'll go to the YouTube and they they'll can search. go to YouTube or Vimeo and they can okay. just search my name, Kareem Suleiman, K A R I M S U L A Y M A N. Nice. Um, and I think it's probably the first thing that pops okay, up. Okay, good. It's well, we'll like link to it on our, on our more website than anything for sure. About we'll put a link to it on yeah. operaboxstory.com <laughs> as well. Kareem, I I watched it before the show. It is some like the most moving three minutes <laughs> of video I have seen all year. Thank you. No, I, it's, it's so, ah, it's, it's overwhelming. It's Thank really you. overwhelming to watch. My question for you is, uh, I'll, uh, you see some of the hesitation and, and the tentativeness of mm -hmm. the people reading the signs. I don't think I'm spoiling anything here to say by the end of the video. You do <laughs> see people interacting with you. But did you have any very strong negative reactions to the sign, to the suggestion, to the experiment that you yes. were doing? Yes. Yes, I did. Um, you know, obviously the positive outweighs the negative in that. And, and um, 
the really what I took from the experience and what I learned from the experience is that there are more good people than bad people in this world. And not that I didn't know that, but it was good for me to go out and do that, I think, um, at that time. And I wanted, when, when my friend Meredith uh, filmed it and we she sort of came up with the edit and we really did want to present the most positive parts of that and knowing that we, you know, she had, she stayed out with me. I think that day I was out for five hours. So she stayed out the whole time with me. And so she had footage of some of the good stuff, some of the bad stuff, you know, but we really did want to sort of tilt it in the, in the positive direction because that was really the point of it was to kind of bring, um, if I felt if anybody, when I was doing it just as, as a live performance piece and not, the video. I felt like if anybody could take something away that day and and think about the sign and think about the interaction, then that was good. And then with the video, I felt if it could be used as a teaching moment for anybody uh, on either side of a political aisle or for anybody who looks at somebody like me and thinks that I deserve to be strip searched at an airport or that looks at a woman and uh, feels negatively towards her, or you know any of those things, that they think about it and that they change how they think and how they approach it. I want to like pivot from the idea of vulnerability to your recording, which won the Grammy, Songs of Orpheus. Um, I would just love to know like your coming up with the program. Uh, I mean, the idea of thematic music around Orpheus is not entirely original. It's not the first time we've heard this, but definitely this, not. This, <laughs> yeah, but this this particular recording seems to have this really beautiful flow where you want to like listen to it from the beginning all the way to the end. There's something like metaphysically beautiful about the overall recording, and there are some real great moments where the band uh, Apollo's Fire. Uh, it's like raucous and it feels like joyful and fun and you just feel like it's, you know, like it's a big party. But then there are these moments that are completely exposed. Uh, in particular, um, this beautiful Sigismonda d'India, I guess it's a madrigal, I'm not sure what how you categorize it. Um, uh, yeah, Piagono al Pian Germio, you can listen to it on the recording. And I think we're also going to hear another one, which is by Caccini, called Dolcissimo Sospiro. I think we'll hear that at the break. Uh, these are almost a cappella pieces. I mean, there's obviously continual playing, but it's just very, very sparse. And that type of singing, it really feels like you are singing directly to whoever's listening. And it almost feels like you should be wearing earphones because you're speaking directly to the listener. And it's a little bit, uh, you know, nervy. And like, <laughs> it's, I mean, I remember when I heard this recording for the first time, I immediately uh, messaged you. It's like, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe that you did this. You Thank know? you. Yes, I remember that you messaged me. <laughs> yeah. It was very sweet. Um, yeah, it was, you know, I was getting to a point in my life, not, I wouldn't say my career, but in my life, I mean, my career, yes, which is part of it, but that I wanted to put out something that felt like mine and that felt like I was expressing myself sort of uh, without anybody telling me what to do, right? And uh, so I came up with this program because it's music that I love and uh I think that the Orpheus story is the reason why we sing and the reason that music is so powerful to people. And um, 
And so I, I told the story in two parts, and then in the third part of the, the, the CD is an album. You don't say CD anymore. Yeah. The album is in... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the A-track is... is yes. <laughs> uh, it's in three parts, and uh, the first two parts is a direct retelling of the story uh, using composers that were inspired by the story, and then the third part is sort of me putting a psychological spin in mm -hmm. a 21st century mindset, but still using those composers and still sort of just commenting on the story because I think like, you know, we, as say, I say in my program notes to the album that, you know, if we feel so strongly in love and we lose that love, mm. we can't, even though we think we might have the power to change it, and to go to hell and get her back or whatever we think we can do. An ending is an ending, and it's up to us to sort of reconcile with that. And so that's what the third part is about. So from something that was a completely original idea and sort of uh, risky to put on a recording and to find a collaborator to want to do it with you to getting nominated for a Grammy for it <laughs> yeah, and then winning. Crazy. Could you tell us about that arc? Well, I mean, I think I... S you know, now it's a year later and I think I'm still really shocked about it all. I think uh, I, you know, I had an entrepreneurial idea. I was going mm -hmm. on tour with the orchestra as Orfeo mm -hmm. and I thought this would be a good chance for me to release my album. Mm -hmm. um, so I pitched it to Apollo's Fire and they said, that's a great idea. You just have to raise X amount of dollars for it. And it ended up being about five, six of the cost. Um, five sixths? Of okay. the cost, okay. of the total very cost. round number. Yeah. There. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, I've had to sort of think about these things a lot when yeah. I talk about them. But, uh, uh, and, um, uh, yeah, and then we got it together. We did a couple performances. We did the recording and we got it together for the tour. And I ended up, we ended up selling a lot of CDs on the tour. Mm -hmm. And, it's on a great label that has a terrific marketing. AV, yeah. Yeah, AV. And yeah. They, they ended up getting us some really good reviews. I mean, they didn't, you know, they, yes. they ended up getting a bunch of... I think of, you uh, probably helped with yeah. some of the positive yeah. reviews, I hope. No, but <laughs> I would hope so, yeah. yes. But, you know, they, they, I think that they got the They used the best plastic exposure. for the outside of the jewel <laughs> case. They got <laughs> the album, some, some of the exposure that I think yeah. I definitely wouldn't have been able to have mm -hmm. on my own. And... Um, well, you're getting the upper box score bump yes, right exactly. now. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Thank you guys so much. Um, but uh, yeah, and and we got some terrific reviews, mm. and I think it just kind of you peaked at the right moment. I yeah. think so, yeah. and I think like you know, luck is a part of it, but I think also, I, I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I think like I was pretty like dead set on on maintaining a certain amount of integrity in the project, and. Mm. And I think, as you said, you can hear me in it. And I think that that might have spoken to people as they listened to it and as they then were presented with it as something to vote for. Yeah, well, like tell us about the... Uh, wild that is. Uh, about the day and is. what you wore, because that's, that's the... That's what everyone's story. wondering. Yes, about. Like, what? Who were you wearing? Who are you this art business. <laughs> 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 exactly. Uh, sad. Um, <laughs> so I, like, you know, it, for me, it felt like a once in a lifetime thing. And I, it was amazing that I was even going to go. Mm -hmm. And I decided, like, I wasn't going to win. So why not just 
show up and finish the story. And mm -hmm. so I had uh, Miriam Bari, who is the show. who's based here yeah. in Chicago, uh, design a sort of black tie appropriate outfit that jacket that would um, sort of reference uh, 17th century Italy mm -hmm. and um, she designed this beautiful jacket and it was made here in Chicago. I had no idea she made men's clothes. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, it was basically a dress, but... <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, it was beautiful. And yeah. really the point was to just like have, have like finish up, you know, and yeah. tell the story completely and say, you know, wear something that was referential to the album. And, you know, if somebody wanted to ask me what I was wearing, I would be able to talk about my album and yeah. not just like the clothes right and um that's called synergy baby <laughs> <laughs> and uh and what was so cool for her is that you know i made like vogue.com's like recap of like red carpet outfits and stuff amazing and, i mean it was like super cool yeah. and like i really felt like i was just there for like an amazing party so like <laughs> winning was was just did you write a speech I did not write a speech. Okay. I blubbered, <laughs> blubbered on, and I I did manage to thank everybody. I think I was supposed to thank, and um, and I think I jumped up and down, and it was a really good button for them yeah. to play out the music because okay. I think I did ramble on for a very long time. So. <laughs> so you're in Chicago right now, getting ready to put together a concert with uh, the former cellist from Eighth Blackbird and. Uh, pianist Yasuko Oro, who is uh, at Northwestern University. Yes. And I believe there's also a violinist in your program. Yes, and a French horn player. Yes. So it's part of a, a series called Chamber Music at Bethany, and that's coming up at the end of the month. Uh, and you also have a Schubert recording uh, coming up, too. Yes. There's so much. Can there's you, like, so much. Can you give us two elevator speeches so we can wrap this okay, up? Okay, <laughs> so super, super quick. Uh, I'm doing a program, uh, Chamber Music at Bethany, uh, on the 26th Yes, we'll link January. to it. In our, yeah, don't worry about the details. Um, so. And it is going to be, a, it's sort of based on the Song of Songs. Mm -hmm. uh, it is, uh, some of the centerpieces are going to be Canticle 1, Canticle 3 I of love Britain. Canticle 1 so much. Um, oh my God. And a piece by Caccini called Chia Costei and some Monteverdi from the Song of Songs. All these Song of Songs things. Nice. And it's going to be a beautiful program, I think. I thought you were Muslim. I am not. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Where did that come from? I don't know. Just the Bible? <laughs> yeah. Abrahamic Ab religions? Yeah. <laughs> They're all the same, aren't they? That's oh what my they gosh, say. Kareem. We oh, wait, 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 and oh, then the Schubert CD. Oh, my Schubert CD. It is called Where Only Stars Can Hear Us, and mm -hmm. it is an offering uh, to people in darkness uh, to mm. find a way out and to... Uh, let them know that they're not alone. Oh, wow, that was a tagline on the. There's a tagline on the back of it that says, "Sometimes all we need is a reminder that we're not alone." And who's the pianist mm -hmm. for that? Uh, and it's with a forte piano, an original 1830 Joseph Simon oh. forte piano, oh, nice. six and a half octave Viennese. Yi Heng Yang is one of the m most amazing historical keyboardists in this country, if not in the world, and she is a poet to her core and she gets nice. it all and, and that's she an was IV? amazing to work with Avi? and that is going to be my sophomore project on Avi yeah nice and it's coming <laughs> out in March Man, uh, we could spend like three hours with you, but do you have do you have a little bit more time to hang out with us? Sure, yeah, I would love to. Okay, okay, I would love great, to. fantastic. Hey, Oliver, let's let's wrap this one up with a with a clip. With dolcissimo sospiro, this is the Caccini piece I was talking about. 
From Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. More right after this. Soprano Elise Ann Kakasek has joined forces with accompanist Christopher Fecto to create the world premiere recordings and interpretations of the complete song cycles of American composer Valerie Salbach. Ooh. Is that how you say her name? I believe it is Salbach, yes. Okay. Uh, not part of the Bach family. No, 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 no. She's she's part of the Sal Box. They were across the street. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> These cycles include erotic, uh, erotic Sanskrit poetry from the from the female perspective, translated into English. So it's erotic, formerly Sanskrit, now English erotic. Mm-hmm. I'm into okay. it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, don't, I need my erotic to be translated for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it's not in English, I'm really, I mean, I don't pick up on social cues anyway, so I need them to be in English so that my dumb self will pick them up. The poems of Emily Dixon, Dickinson, oh, I've got erotic on the brain. Yep. Uh, and Elizabeth Barrett Browning's Con- Katerina to Camoans. I believe that's correct. The album, entitled Untethered, released on Math and Black's True Capture Records label, is now available on Apple Music, Amazon Music, and Spotify. So download now. So you can't buy it. You just have to listen to it on your phone. Oh. Yeah, well, or on your Sonos. Yeah, while you're listening but, to English yeah. erotic. <laughs> but notice that subtle plug for Math and Black. When have you ever heard of like the name of the yeah. person who started? Way to <laughs> way to bring it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> End of ad. Mm-hmm. Chalk Talk on Opera Box Score. Hey, everybody. Thanks for spending some time with us tonight on Opera Box Score. It's America's talk radio show about opera. Award season is underway. For English-speaking opera fans, that means Opera Magazine's International Opera Awards. It means the Grammy Awards. In an age where physical recordings have increasingly smaller distribution and streaming services and YouTube are the most popular way audiences find new recordings, the Grammy Awards are one of the last measures of success and one of the best ways to raise awareness about new artists. Here's a stat. Okay, so the nominees for Complete Opera Recordings highlight a trend we've been aware of since our show first started decades ago. New work and early music are the projects that labels are willing to pour their resources into. The 2020 Grammy for Best Opera Recording has a 3 in 5 chance of either going to a work written after 1987 or before 16. 87. Oliver, why don't you tell us about one of the five nominees, and I bet I can guess which one you're going to pick. <laughs> so it's clear that my passion is for the stuff on the earlier end of the spectrum. No. And <laughs> I know, right? Surprise. Um, one of my favorite uh, things that I do every two years is go to Boston Early Music Festival, and they have this chamber opera series, which they do actually every Thanksgiving season, and then they choose the best of those to present at the biennial festival and they actually performed a charpentier um i would you call it divertissement i don't know what you even call it. it's not even an opera it's like a semi-opera type thing called les plaisirs de versailles and also les fontaines de versailles obviously written for louis the 14th they recorded one of those les plaisirs de versailles and paired it with one of my favorite semi-operas by charpentier called les arts florissants and Les Arts Florissant is like, to me, one of the most perfect 
pieces of music. It's like 45 minutes long and it's all, it's an allegory for um, the battle between peace and discord and how we uh, as artists are the warriors in this war. And Discord is an actual, you know, embodied character and is very blustery. And it's sung by a bass or a bass baritone, but at the top is a register. And it sounds very just like full of hot air. And it so reminds me of a certain president that we all talk about these days, <laughs> um, the this music of Discord and how he speaks. But anyway, I, I wanted to listen to a little bit of that Grammy-nominated recording. This is from Boston Music Early Music Festival, uh, led by Paul Odette and Stephen Stubbs. And we'll hear... Teresa Wakeham as La Musique uh, from the Chacon of Les Arts Florissants. I love a Shakan. <laughs> so beautiful. Yeah. Um, it's like Shaka Khan. Um, <laughs> Only less, <laughs> less. <laughs> oh, God. Weston? Uh, well, I mean, I think for as far as the uh, the pick for um, the uh, the nomination, uh, I think everyone would expect me to pick the uh, Votsek. Uh, which would be incredibly on brand for me. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do actually have a slightly different pick for a very specific reason. Uh, so I'm going to give you the reason first. Uh, when I was looking at this list uh, for the first time, um, obviously the first thing that jumped out at me was Votsek. And the reason it jumped out at me was because was how, how do they sneak past uh, a Votsek recording past me Weston Williams, uh, <laughs> with my my whole thing going on, and so I, I looked it up and I discovered kind of an interesting thing. Uh, Wozzeck, along with um, uh, the one George is going to talk about, and uh, even Lessons in Love and Violence, uh, the recordings are not actually traditional studio uh, recordings albums. Yeah. Yes, there. Um, I mean, I wasn't expecting studio recordings necessarily, but um, if you look and try to buy these albums, you have to buy. Uh, the DVD essentially with them, which is always interesting for me from a Grammy perspective because it's all about the recorded medium. I tend to get distracted by the productions that I mm -hmm. see. If I'm buying a, uh, uh, a a video version of an opera, it's because I like the production. If I'm buying an album, it's because I like the music. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, just do a Kareem and put a blindfold on. You know? <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> well, I mean, uh, I think it's an interesting phenomenon, and it's certainly one that is becoming more and more prevalent with opera because, obviously, it's expensive to mm -hmm. record a full opera. I understand. I get it. Um, but uh, at the same time, there are a couple of operas out there that were released, uh, especially Prism by Ellen Reed that I think 
really should have been on this list that exists as a more pure album. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, um, because of that reason, I decided to go with um, basically the only other one on this list that actually exists as an al- in an album format, and that's Tobias Picker's Fantastic Mr. Fox uh, with uh, John Brancy in sort of the main role. Friend of the show. Friend of the John show. Brancy, yeah. uh, it's uh, it's and I a- want... Andrew Craig Brown's be a friend of the show, man. <laughs> we'll get them all man. eventually. That's our eventual <laughs> takeover of the entire industry. Um, but this is a, a really brilliant recording. Uh, the, uh, the the opera is 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 odd. It's a lot of fun. It's got that weird energy of Roald Dahl and sort of like the family uh, sort of family avant garde light sort of mm-hmm. thing going on. It has a sort of a Britain quality in my mind. Um, and the recording is beautifully engineered. Really well sung. Everything I look for as an audiophile <laughs> who only listens to shellac records on 78. I think you have to register as an audiophile so that people <laughs> in your neighborhood know, you know, <laughs> stay at least 500 feet away from. But that is my pick. I don't think it's actually going to win, but if there's any justice an- in Another this world, Boston-based recording. Yeah, yeah. Well, Boston is really well represented in this yeah. category this year. George, did you want to pick one really quickly? It's Opera Box Score and WNUR, 89.3 FM, George Cedarquist with Oliver Camacho, Weston Williams, and our guest for tonight, Kareem Suleiman. If I had to pick one, I would pick this recording of Wagner's Lohengrin, Christian Tielemann conducting with... Kyoto uh, Bechawa and yeah, Anya Hartaros. And Voltron Meyer. It, oh, the only yeah. reason I picked this is because I have a crush on Voltron Meyer. That's I do too. literally yeah, the she's only like reason. The best. <laughs> she's so great. So, just, so, uh. so, so it's clear for our audience the five uh, recordings that are nominated are the Bemf recording of the Charpentier, uh, the Tobias Picker recording that Weston just mentioned, this Wagner Lohengrin from Bayreuth Fest- from the yeah from the Bayreuth mm-hmm. Festival that George just mentioned. There's also the Wotzek from uh, Netherlands Philharmonic Orchestra, conducted by Mark Albrecht, with Christoph, Christopher Maltman and Eva Maria Westbrook. And the other recording is uh, George Benjamin's Lessons in mm-hmm. Love and Violence. I would say smart money's on that one for with, the actual Well, Stefan de Goo and Barbara Hannigan. I mean, I love Barbara, Barbara Hannigan. Barbara Hannigan can do no wrong yeah. in my book. Absolutely. Yeah. So, <laughs> so really quickly, sure. other... Uh, of interest to our fans, uh, the solo vocal albums that are nominated are The Edge of Silence. That's my pick. Worked for voice by Gergi Kurtag featuring Susan uh, Naraki. Do you know her? I've not met her, no. I've just, <laughs> I know of her okay. first. He can just pronounce now. the then, names yes. that we can. Philippe Jaruski, who pounds out at least two records a year, yep. uh, is nominated again for mm-hmm. Himmel's Music with uh, La Pejata, conducted by Christina Pluar. Great group. Uh, leader Christ and Kerner Leader of Schumann. Uh, featuring Matthias Gurner and Leif Ova at Ansnes. Uh, song play. Joyce DiDonato with um, Chicago Ryan Opera Center artistic director uh, Craig Terry. Oh, he's not. I think he's. That's his title. I'm not sure, but um, local definitely. Yeah, lo- definitely. Yep. Yeah, that's hometown team for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and finally, Stephen Costello's uh, Italian arias uh, recital disc Ate Okada. But so that's Grammys. That's coming up at the end of the month. But we have just enough time right now to fill out the ballot together of the International <laughs> Opera Awards. So the International Opera Awards is given are given out by uh, Opera Magazine, and we on Opera now we used to call them the the Hymens uh, because oh, I think God. the guy. It's that's true. I think the editor or some of the the. Uh, yeah, the editor is, is something Hyman is less. This we call oh, well, I see. I like, yeah. No, like, it's, what does that have to do with anything? Um, <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> until uh, 5 p.m. GMT, that's Greenwich Mean Time, is that what it is? Yes. Yeah. yeah, so it's 11 a.m. So, Chicago. Okay, so 11 a.m. on Friday, you can go to 
operaawards.org slash nominate and fill out a ballot. And we are going to submit the official opera box score ballot together here with you with our audience. <laughs> so let's go through this. Um, go through. This is this is for real. Like the, the link is on our website, operaboxscore.com. Yeah. You should be part of this. Yeah, absolutely. You should contribute. You should go through it. I don't it's know 2020. We, it's an election year. Get man. out Maybe. and this, vote. <laughs> I don't know if we can fill out every of these categories here. We could certainly We'll race through them. Through. So here the first go. one is chorus. chorus. We're going to say the Met Chorus because they can act and they can sing and, they they're, and they're American. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Conductor. Conductor. I'm really into my Baroque guys like Teodor Korensis and um, Maxim Emelianichev, but this is the year we all learned how to pronounce Yannick Nézès again, and he's gay, so why not? <laughs> I, and I also want to kind of throw in a hometown favorite here, Lydia oh, Yankovska. Of course, women. Yes. We need to put more yes. women in these categories. Yes, okay, I support, that. <laughs> I support that. No, she's doing amazing work, and she's not doing it just in Chicago. She's like all over the place. So, mm. isn't she at Prototype conducting Ellen West right now? Uh, I think so. I'd have she to double check. She is a Prototype. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The next uh, two categories are designer and director. I I slotted in a a, a team here, Ults, which is the stage name of a designer, and Richard Jones, who. Neither of these gentlemen need an opera award, but Richard Jones, Kareem, is so awesome. So awesome. Uh, I saw Katja Kabanova at the Royal Opera House this past season, and it was mind-blowing. He, It's an incredible production, and for the first time, I've seen it, I've seen that opera several times, and it's never quite made sense. <laughs> and this production, as wackadoo as he is <laughs> i mean he's clearly like a wackadoo guy yeah, i don't know if nutty. anybody saw aria dante in chicago yes. it was like it was nutty it was really bizarre cool. and um <clears throat> but uh this production was just incredible and amanda majeski was incredible in it yeah. incredible education and outreach opera what? box score obviously oh thank you okay, yeah. that was P- easy. i'm putting that in right now female singer amanda majeski there we go Ooh, we're in alphabetical order just, I get just it. doing it festival I want to say the O Festival because, yeah. one, they're willing to fly out uh, a couple of podcasters. <laughs> and because it really was a beautiful experience, and I got to learn about the city, and I loved Love for Three Oranges, and I loved just walking around Philadelphia and meeting all the people and hearing Amanda Forsythe sing Semily. It was a really great time. And Life. I was with Tobias, so I have this, like, my fond memories of Tobias now that he's dead. Lifetime <laughs> achievement. Jesse Norman. Jesse Norman. We could also yeah. put in Tobias and Lifetime Achievement, too. These are just nominees, of course. <laughs> he podcasted for almost five years, that guy. May so. <laughs> <laughs> he rest in peace. Yeah. Uh, male singer. We're going to slot in Benjamin Bernheim on behalf of Matthew, who's not here with us tonight. But we, could al- we could also do Kareem. He's right here. He's, he's listening to you right now, Oliver. <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. But he wants to break the binary, the, the gender binary, right? Isn't that your <laughs> part of your deal? So uh, We could also put no, in... I'm pretty much I identify as male. <laughs> <laughs> we could also put in Anthony Roth Costanzo, just on the strength of Akhenaten alone. True. Yeah. True. But that's another gender thing. Oh, true. true. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Newcomers for emerging directors, conductors, and composers. That's interesting that singers and designers aren't listed under newcomer. I'm no, questioning that. Oh, I see what you're saying. No, uh, I, I think I, I think singers also count as newcomers. Yeah, it doesn't say that on the on the website, but um, well, let's say Alex Enyart as a newcomer. Yeah, conductor. she's conducting as one all over the place. Great call. Really great call on that new production stage for the first time during 2019. Love of Three Oranges at mm-hmm. um, Opera Philadelphia, um, but you have your Katja Kaponova. I mean, I 
I can't stress enough how great that show yeah. was. So I'm just going to, that's my pick, yeah, but no, I know I, that I I'm just a it. guest and I know I have to be polite. <laughs> I, that's what guests have to Opera be. Opera Company, this is a biggie. I mean, this is really the kind of best picture award, I would say, <laughs> for the International Opera Awards. Opera Company. That one's always tricky for me. I, yeah. I mean, my I mind have... always drops to, uh, uh, jumps to the Bavarian State Opera, but I feel like that they didn't have like, win the last year. Have you been there this year? year? I think they okay. won last year. Oh. I'm trying to think when the last time an American company won this category. Yeah, I just feel like we have to get a little bit more uh, nationalistic or civicistic and nominate Chicago Opera Theater, especially on the strength of I'm down for that of the life and times of Alan Turing. The life and life and oh, de- was it called so good uh, life, the and, life deaths and deaths of, of Alan, Alan Turing, Turing, which was so moving, and I cannot wait to see them bring that project to full fruition. Uh, opera orchestra, who's a good orchestra? Hmm. Are we paying attention? Mm. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of silence. We're all thinking. <laughs> yeah. And there's some good ones out there. I mean, the, okay, the Mets have cool. been doing some interesting stuff. Again, with Akhenaten, particularly, they're having to sort of learn just the film. You know that harpist, style. Emmanuel Saison, like, just on, based on him alone, the Met Orchestra should win. Yeah. Because he's so cute. Fair. And his videos are so beautiful. <laughs> Philanthropist, I don't know any philanthropists. Uh, recording solo recital. My recording solo recital nomination goes to Catherine Watson. Uh, her recording is called L'Opéra du Roi Soleil with uh, Les Ambassadeurs. It's a survey of French Baroque music. Uh, Marais, uh, Luli. She's a beautiful it's, singer. It's She's so stylish. Singer. And like, if you are a, a soprano out there who wants to know how to sing French Baroque music, just listen to this girl. Next category is it full re- full recording? Is it full opera? Uh, complete, complete opera, opera yeah. um, uh, cycle. Uh, complete opera recording. Prism. Ellen Reed. Easy. Okay, I'm gonna say the new recording from Benf of Almira of Handel's Almira. It's so also delicious. Good. And Amanda Forsyth as Adelia should win a lifetime achievement award. Just that <laughs> that actual role. It's incredible. Rediscovered work. Anybody? I go it? with Prism too, just so that you know. But thank you, thank welcome. you, Kareem. You're welcome. You're welcome okay. back, Oliver. <laughs> I guess you don't like early music, Kareem. <laughs> no, so. I love it. Are you kidding me? I love it. I love it. But I thought Prism was a terrific recording. It's so good. <clears throat> Productions of Rare Works, which premiered during 2019. Something rare that happened in 2019. That's a tough one. I can't Re- recall one jumping out at me over the past year. Rare works in 2019. I feel mm. like they're all rare now. Yeah, it's true. Like Poem and <laughs> Carmen. So. Well, Haymarket Opera did Dragon of Wantley. Oh, yeah, that's that was, a good one. <laughs> yeah. That one, Seriously. that was a rare work. Very rare. Still yeah. bleeding. <laughs> Still mooing. And so the opposite of that is world premiere. World premiere recording oh, of opera. Oh, Dennis and Katya at Opera Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't yeah, see saw it. it. Yeah. Young singer. There it is. Yeah, there's the young singer. Okay, category. who's who's so a good young it's singer? Do you? Co- I mean, newcomer. I am not young, okay. unfortunately. I, <laughs> yeah, maybe I, when George Schulte was snipping one, around you, I just <laughs> play one on TV. How about that? <laughs> but I'm not young anymore, sadly. Okay, well we'll have to think on that. We can young, put in George's song, young that's, singer. So that's oh, a really young, you're yeah. really young singer. Yeah, yeah, and you. I mean, again, operaawards.org/nominate. Oh. Go and f- and fill out this form and and put people that you care about. In here, uh, uh, Kareem, it turns out that Richard Jones won Best Director in 2015. Oh, so it's time for him to win again. Okay. Don't okay, you think? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Oh, you, do you that. think we should spread the wealth? I think we should spread the wealth. Okay. Okay. Personally. I support it's, that. I, I support again, that. Uh, it's just so interesting to look at these past nominees and these past winners. I mean, it, the list is sick about how talented these people are. And it's fascinating, Oliver, to look at 
young singers and newcomers and then to kind of see where they are now and okay. to see which ones if Janine B qualifies as a new as a young singer I'm gonna say her but if she's too old to be young uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna say Andrew Bidlock from uh, the Everest slash Aleko slash oh, yeah what was the thing that he did the the uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kareem is saying that he's my age. <laughs> he is. <laughs> All right. So are you are you older or younger than Janine DeBeek? Do you know? Oh, I think I'm probably older than she is. Okay. Then let's say her. <laughs> Perfect. What, okay. what is a young singer? Are we all well, young all the time? Young in like, heart. Like we're all, no we're hairs, all maybe. learning yeah, so. about our craft, like constantly. Yeah. As long as you're changing. younger than Oliver Camacho. Yeah. Oh, Ouch. Okay, I'll <laughs> take it. It's just, okay. it's all, it's all just a number. The uh, <laughs> awards have been going since 2013, and, and it says, click here if you're interested in going. I mean, they are in London. If they, they fly, fly us out, out there, we'll yeah, exactly. We'll give you front, we'll front row coverage. I, Ashley would do great there. Oh, she would be amazing. She Could you imagine? So she would tear that place. <laughs> so that's fill out your own ballot at operaawards.org slash nominate. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. There's so much coming up next after the break. Two-minute drill. Again, you want to get on the phone lines with us, 847-866-9687. We're going to step aside for one second. Keep it locked right here, WNUR 89.3. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. More right after this. Support for Opera Box Score is provided in part by Opera Philadelphia. For the first time in over 30 years, Opera Philadelphia presents special concert performances of the massive masterpiece, Verdi's Requiem. <laughs> bam, 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 bam. <laughs> That's what she says. <laughs> this dramatic exploration of the Roman Catholic Mass for the Dead comes to life with over 80 instrumentalists, 100 choristers, <laughs> and the powerhouse vocals of four of opera's rising stars. I want to say these people have risen already. Leah Crocetto, Daniela Mack, friend of the show. Oh, friend of the show, Daniela yes. Mack. Yes. Yes. Just top-notch. Uh, Absolutely top-notch. Evan Leroy Johnson and In Sung Sim. Opera Philadelphia's own Maestro Corrado Rivares conducts in celebration of his 20th anniversary with the company. Here for yourself why NPR... If they say something, then you've got to You know it's true. <laughs> yeah. Why NPR calls the Requiem a conductor's dream come true. And so it is. Verdi's Requiem at Opera Philadelphia for just two performances, January 31st and February 2nd. Don't miss it. In the historic Academy of Music. Get tickets today at operaphila.org. You know, I just clear, I'm just i clearing some stuff off my DVR because I feel like it's the holidays are coming. And there's going to be a lot going on there. And I just watched the Requiem from the Hollywood Bowl conducted by Dudamel with... Uh, with Michelle the Young, who died that time, <laughs> and um, what's his name, Victoria Gugolo, Grabby, Grabby, yeah. Ba- yeah. Grabby, Gra- Grabby, Grabby Gugolo, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. and uh, I forgot who the bass was, Ilabrado D'Arcangelo, and the soprano was somebody I'd never heard of. I probably should know her name. And she was really good, but she was not like name recognition soprano. Well, you know, I, w- God, I would that's call terrible. I would call Verdi's Requiem probably top top two rec- requiems yes. ever done. Well, right? it is it is a conductor's dream come true. For sure. And a bad. This just in, the two-minute drill. All right, everybody, listen up. Here's everything you need to know about what happened in Opperland this past week. At last night's Golden Globe Awards, Hildur Guthnadotter made history being the first female composer who's won a Golden Globe in 19 years. That was for Best Original Score for the movie Joker. Eighth Annual Prototype Festival kicks off later this week in New York City. Ten-day festival, six works, 23 composers and librettists, everything from black box chamber opera to multimedia rock concerts. And yes, there is still time for the folks at Prototype to fly us to New York. 
Andrea Moore is writing in the Chicago Tribune suggesting that, quote, a worthier way to honor Beethoven's 250th might be something more drastic, a cooperative worldwide year-long moratorium on live performances of his music. More about that story in a second. Kent Nagano set to conduct Wagner's Ring Cycle under very unique circumstances, leading the Concerto Köln in a performance played on 19th century instruments with gut strings. Omar is a new opera by our arch-rival podcaster, Rhiannon Giddens. It's going to premiere in May at the Spoleto Festival. It's about the autobiography of an enslaved Muslim who was brought to Charleston in 1807. Child prodigy Alma Deutscher is writing an opera for the Salzburg Landestheater. Oh, she's 14, by the way. Police are investigating 25 panes of glass that were smashed at a world-famous church in Leipzig. That's where Bach, of course, was buried. Island City Opera, a small but enterprising company in San Francisco area, has postponed its production in March, becoming the first known performing arts casualty of AB5, the, quote, gig work law that went into effect in the state in January 1st. 60 retired opera stars playing out their days in an elegant mansion in Milan that's founded by the Italian composer Giuseppe Verdi. is called the Casa Verdi. I feel like we do this story kind of once a year. Exit stage left German director Harry Kupfer, who died at age 84, and on this day, January 6th, American mezzo-soprano Shirley Love, born in 1940, her birthday today. Italian soprano Mafaldo Favero was born in 1903. German conductor-composer Max Bruch, born in 1838. And in 1755, it was the first performance of Karl Heinrichs Graun's opera Montezuma in Berlin, of course. That's your two-minute drill. Opera class. Sports radio crass. This is opera Box score. And again, thanks so much for hanging out with us tonight on Upper Box Score. George Cedarquist here with Oliver Camacho, Weston Williams, and our guest co-host, Kareem Suleiman. So, Weston, what's on your mind well, having heard all of those stories? The thing that excites me the most about this week is the uh, Nagano uh, ring cycle with period instruments. I have been dreaming of a uh, period instrument recording of the ring cycle I thought for you a usually while. dreamed about burritos. <laughs> <laughs> that, and they're usually also singing Wagner, which is, which is really how my <laughs> mind just is. Um, I, I don't, I, it doesn't say they're going to record it, but this feels like something that's going to get recorded to me, so I'm and very, on a DVD excited. and then bit nominated for a Grammy. <laughs> That's going to be so nominated. Pissed have to complain about it next again. year. <laughs> but I'm very, very excited because I do think that um, uh, period instrument uh, recordings um, obviously have become the norm uh, in uh, early, early repertoire, Baroque, Renaissance, all those sorts of things. But it has yet to fully trickle into the 19th century. And uh, having a full ring cycle like that. I mean, I, I can't imagine how it might be different or the same. I'm, I'm really, really excited. When about John Elliott Gardner's Orchestre Revolutionnaire et Romantique uh, recorded the nine, Beethoven Nine Symphonies uh, with period instruments, it's, they're so good. Yeah, but when they first came out, when that recording first came out, whenever it was in 1998 or something, people described it as being very fruity. It's like it's a very tangy recording, you know, it's, like it's, it's like vegetarian or something like. That. I literally <laughs> refuse to listen to all of the recordings of the Beethoven Symphony. Oh, really? They're, yeah, the, the, that's the only one I listen to. So just for your audiences that don't listen to this podcast all the time, now that Cream's on and you tuned in for the first time, uh, we're talking about gut strings, wood, actual wood woodwinds, 
Uh, probably natural horns. I don't know if natural horns were still a thing back then. Uh, by it, the mid 1800s, oh. there are probably a few around. Yeah. Um, the okay, they probably had are probably the same. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like uh, also skinned drums and stuff like that. So, right. so it's just going to sound a little bit more, it's going to have more decay. It's going to give the singers a little more chance. To, it's going to be a little bit more punch in the brass, would be my guess. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I hope they record it. And easier it. to, to sing it. with as yeah. a singer. I mean, I'll just say, like, it's just going to be easier to sing with. And yeah. I think you'll probably hear Wagner in a way from the singer's standpoint that you don't hear it these mm. days at mm. all. Yeah. yeah. And Point. speaking of uh, period instrument recordings and, uh, uh, and Beethoven, this Beethoven article I thought was really interesting as well. Yep. I, I mean, I don't disagree with it. So the premise of the article is that, you know, let's honor Beethoven by creating new works. And like, let's say, okay, you like nine symphonies? Let's have nine symphonies that are yeah. not Beethoven and play them and get the audience to come to them. Let's have new chamber music. Let's have a new opera, you know? And make these major arts organizations or orchestras, you know, really put the same, you know, marketing behind these things that they do behind their Beethoven festivals, you know. And I think that there's also something to be said for um, most American symphonies subsist on like a diet of Beethoven mm -hmm. uh, to uh, to an extent that's becoming a, a real problem for ticket sales. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's all you've got going. I mean, that's that's an, obviously an exaggeration. But there, uh, obviously, one of the things that we've really started to see more in opera is more inclusion of different voices, different types of music, mm -hmm. different um, uh, newer works, uh, weirder works. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, that the American Symphony Orchestra in particular is uh, dragging behind a little bit uh, as far as developing into new works and non-mainstream Beethoven works. I mean, I, I think that Beethoven is a, an amazing composer. Uh, um, again, oh, I'm sure he'll feel good that you, that you advocate for him. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, Beethoven. I, He's I okay. He I mean, can't yeah. hear you. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, but I, I, even, even you know, if you move away from the symphonies, I think there are lesser-known works by Beethoven that are, that are worth listening to. I think the best piece he ever wrote was the Grosse Fugue, which um, is not done too much, um, even though it's... Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, that's not opera, though, so I think I need to stop talking <laughs> no, about it. No, but Beethoven <laughs> wrote an opera, you know. He did. He did one. Yeah. It's very and good. he kept writing it, you know. He, he tried very hard. <laughs> <laughs> tried to make Fidelio a thing. Yeah. I don't mind Fidelio, actually. I it's think it's right. got some great well, moments. Uh, Fidelio is one of those... I'm sure like there's an amazing artist. Fidelio so. was the first 19th century opera I'd ever heard on period instruments, and it changed my conception not only of Fidelio, but of Beethoven. I, it's, it's, it's really good. Okay, so if you are a colleague or a friend of Rhiannon Giddens, please let her know that we keep talking about her every week. <laughs> what is this woman like? When does she have time to do anything? I mean, I'm so mad that she's so successful. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I thought it was only so, I that struggled jealously yeah. with like, other, no, other I mean, like, director's I, successes. I'm such a fan of her podcast of uh, Aria Code. Um, and I actually, on her podcast about the opera Susanna, she does her own arrangement of the trees on the mountains mm. uh, as like a bluegrassy type of thing. And it's so beautiful. And it makes me so mad that somebody is that talented. <laughs> so she wrote an opera. She co-wrote an opera that's premiering at Spoleto. And she's also going to be part of the uh, Roots Music, Bluegrass, whatever series they have there. So she's like going to be there in every way. And um, she needs to come on the show, please, and tell us about 
uh, what else she's doing with her life, you know? Well, she, if you're she, jealous of Rhiannon Giddens, yeah. what about Alma Deutscher, who is doing her first opera at age 14? <laughs> that's from Slip Disc, so I skeptical. No, no, that's legit. No, I, I, I looked it's up legit. the German original. I, okay. I parsed through it, uh, put it through Google Translate, <laughs> got my German <laughs> English dictionary out. It's legit. She's, uh, she's kind of amazing. She's, uh, there are videos on YouTube about her um, like composing things on the spot. It's very, mm. very... Um, Mozarty vibes off of it, uh, not just in terms of you know she's a prodigy obviously, mm. but also in style she has a very strong sense of form and how it all comes together. I'll be really interested to see how that translates into uh, a full opera because you know you all I find a lot of people always say well there's not the emotional maturity of a prodigy to write something yeah. as grand as an opera but I, I would be fa fascinated to see it oh i'm sure george is champing at the bit to talk about harry Kupfer. but before we do i just want to say like vandals at the thomas kirka in leipzig like what's wrong with you people and this makes me think there are so many you know arts yeah. centers in it's this world that are not their soft targets you know and not that this was like a terrorist attack or whatever but you know, what's wrong with you people? You know, like, what did Leave that Bach church alone. ever do to you? I, it's yeah. not even Bach. It's just like that place. It's like, what is, how is that place hurting you? You well, know, it's like, don't break other people's stuff, period. Yeah. yeah. I, Look, uh, but don't touch. Uh, <laughs> Have your thoughts. Do not touch the Bach. Well, I mean, we're leave also, alone. Our, our own president is like threatening to like blow up like, yeah. you know, it's uh, like Iran God, right now. Yeah, so. all cultural sites, right? Yeah. It's, it's insane. Kareem, was there a, a story here that you wanted to uh I, I, You guys hit it. I really, I, I too am super into the, the ring on gut strings. I think that's an incredible undertaking. And uh, I think it's probably going to sound amazing. Kent Nagano is so incredible. And Kent Nagano is perfect. For yeah, that he's just—he's incredible in general. Yeah. And so, like, I'm—I'm I'm down with it. And Wagner is not my queen. I'll just say that. You know, it's like <laughs> unlike not, me, right? Exactly. I'm like—I'm not a huge Wagner person, but I would be super into hearing this. These last couple of months have definitely been tough on us. Stage directors, of course, Jonathan Miller died at the end of 2019, and now here we are at the beginning of 2020, and Harry Kupfer died. This has got to be one of the most important, seminal German directors. Uh, he was born in Berlin, uh, first became an uh, assistant director at the Landestheater in Halle, then uh, he goes to Weimar, He's he ran the Komische Oper for a number of years. Um, He's like Mr. Reggie, isn't he? Like, didn't he event? invent Reggie Theater? No, that, that, that goes back to the no, Wagner it's, family. It's, it's, it goes further Leon back, but he was a proponent of it. He was definitely a proponent of it. For me, one of the most important things Harry Kupfer did was he became a professor at the Hochschule für Musik, Hans Eisler, in Berlin. And so he Ooh. was one of the first directors to teach the craft of stage directing along with people like you know Boris Goldovsky in Russia to a new generation of directors of course you can still see his work he actually has he has two productions coming up in in 2020 that will you know will be remounts of course although looking back at his body of work I'm t I see none of his stuff in America ever that's not too surprising for no, the sort of the Reggie yeah. uh, thing uh, I, I think we could stand to have a little bit more out there production. There's like literally not one single show here that's off of even continental Europe. I'm not even. This is on operabase.com. I'm not even seeing anything that was in in London. Anyway, Harry Kupfer, rest in peace. All right, gentlemen, let us wrap this show up. 
Good call. <laughs> Bad call on Opera Box Score. A fine show for sure to kick off 2020. Good call, bad call. Something great that's been happening at Opera World in the past week. Something you want to hype or something you just can't wait to get rid of. <laughs> so um, I know I keep talking about this recording, but I, I promise you if you listen to one track and if you don't like it, you never have to take my recommendations ever again. Uh, it's in the first act of Handel's Elmira on the new Bemf recording. It's the aria for the character called Edelia, who is sung in this case by Amanda Forsyth. And the aria is called Schönste Rosen. And if you listen to that aria and are not into it, that's fine. You don't have to listen to this podcast ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Weston Williams. Um, I've got a kind of a good call. Uh, there's a uh, New York Times article called um, How a Forgotten Opera Made a Big Comeback. It's all about Korngold's Die Tote Stadt. And I just, I've been in a real Korngold mood lately. I don't know why. I just, I feel like I vibe with him, you know? We both have the same birthday. I, We're both oh, okay. a little bit odd. I don't know. <laughs> I, love, I love that hyper-romantic sort of uh, sound he's got. I love it. Toto Shot is such a great show. It's so good. Have yeah, you ever really. listened to uh, Das Wunder der Heliana? I, I, oh, I have not. It's so good. It's good. Uh, <laughs> anything by Korn Gold, just go listen to it. <laughs> All right. Kareem Suleiman, what do you have? A good call or a bad call? Uh, I wasn't ready for this one. So <laughs> You've I already hyped your own stuff. Can I, you just I, remind I, us one more time about your two upcoming projects? Oh, Really? Yeah. No, I was going to say something. Oh, okay. oh, go, for something. Oh, go for it. I, I could. I could say what I think is a good call is that on social media right now, people are saying how I met opera. Or it's like hashtag meet opera uh, meet or something opera, like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that that's really nice for people to see, honestly. Nice. How, how meet, it's a meet cute for opera. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, cute, yeah, that's so. the, the but opera. But my America. Schubert album is coming out in March. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. As well. uh, good call for me. Wojtek and HD. I'm going to oh, go on absolutely. Saturday. So, um, there I'll be, Webster Place, watching. Nice. Watching. And that's the live one. I don't know if I've, I've only been to the encore it's performances. I don't know if I've ever seen a true. It, it's, oh, it's and a little more Ben and Heaver. Oh, I love her. Yes. I, and the, that, that production with uh, William Kentridge, yeah. I'm so excited to see yeah, it. Yeah. You want to mm. be my date? Oliver made fun of me last oh, week. When no, I I'm together. working. I, I'm working, but I'll rush to, I'll be late, but I'm, <laughs> I'm coming. You'll be late. You'll miss it. I'll it's miss short. the first, like. 15 minutes. I'm coming right from okay. work. So. That's okay. it for this week's edition of America's Talk Radio Show about opera. The general managers at WNWR, Henry Moskal and Somal Songvi. Our announcers, Norm Waddell at VoxerShorts.com, V-O-X-E-R-S-H-O-R-T-S.com. Our theme song is Vodka Inferno, written and performed by the Diablo Swing Orchestra with opera statistics and on-this-day content from OperaBase.com. On Facebook, search for Opera Box Score. Be sure to share and comment on our posts on Twitter. We're at Opera Box Score. Heck, you could even use that hashtag meet Opera, M-E-E-T-O-P-E-R-A. And hey, please leave a review when you subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts. The creative consultant for Opera Box Store is Oliver Camacho. For Weston Williams and our guest co-host, Kareem Suleiman, I'm George Cedarquist asking you to continue the conversation about opera now that cannabis is legal in Illinois. Dude, your eyes are really red. We're back next year. No, we're back next week on Monday, January 13, 9 p.m. Central. More opera news, more hot takes, more red carpets. Join us. This is WNUR 89.3 FM and HD1 Evanston, Chicago. Chicago Sound Experiment.